afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome one and all to the All About Windows Phone Insight podcast. After last week's sensible and stage proceedings, I'm back in the chair. Woohoo! Rafe shouldn't sound that excited. Ah, well, it's exciting. We got the full team back together, you, and got you back in the hot seat. We know how popular you are with the listeners, so please take it away. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, joining me now uh, on the other side uh, today, going to be played by David Bradley. We have Steve Litchfield. See, I've no idea who David Bradley is, but he played know, Filch in Harry Potter. Uh, I've never watched a Harry Potter film. He also plays William Hartnell tonight on the Doctor Who tribute and Adventures in Space and Time. See, I've always thought Steve's more of a, a Dumbledore type figure. I've never watched a Harry Potter film in my life. I've never read a Harry Potter book, so I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. Re- re- or maybe it's more of a Voldemort then. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if we said Expelliarmus, Steve, you'd just be no idea. Can we get on with the show, please? <laughs> no, let's stay here and find out what else cultural reference Steve did. Okay, let's get on with the show. Uh, let's start probably with the biggest news that's going to hit the ecosystem. Um all this year, I think, to be fair. Rafe, the uh, Nokia shareholder vote was rather comprehensively for Nokia selling off the services and devices divisions and the associated paraphernalia and licensing of uh, commercial property names to Microsoft, which went through today. This has to be the biggest thing in Windows Phone this year, surely, hasn't it? Yes, I don't think it's really any doubt about that. In the absence of you know a major software release, which we're not going to get the next one to 2014, Microsoft buying Nokia is the big news in Windows Phone this year. I mean, it's got to the point where Nokia has become the dominant Windows Phone manufacturer. The latest figures put it between 85 and 90%. So to all intents and purposes, they are the Windows Phone manufacturer. And so having that go into Microsoft, you know, changes the dynamic significantly. We're going from Microsoft being a software company to it being software and devices. You know, so that does represent an enormous change. And it's all, you know, a big change in strategy it remains to be seen how all of that will play out but i can't really think of any other event in the history of the windows phone uh, ecosystem that will by any means measures up uh, even the big software releases this is kind of the big bang change and uh, you know it's as significant as when microsoft sort of decided to you know, start again with windows phone for their mobile platform efforts you know it's that kind of level of strategic change so the news here is that uh, the shareholders have voted overwhelmingly in favour of the, you know, the, the Microsoft deal. That's something like 99.7%, so a pretty ringy endorsement. And given that, of course, there's a big dividend coming to the shareholders from this sale, all the institutional shareholders and pension funds are just going to be able to see the short-term benefits of we're going to have a lot more money coming in this year and it's going to help our bonus. That's right. I mean, actually, the the deal was kind of done before the meeting even happened. The institutional shareholders voted in advance and voted overwhelmingly in favour. It makes sense because from a shareholder perspective, you know, this is the way to maximise their returns. I think all the kind of the downside of the deal is really it's when you talk about the emotional impact, maybe the impact on Finland as well. um, But that doesn't really reflect on the financial numbers. And so it, it really does make sense for you know, knock his shareholders to vote through this deal. Now, to be fair, if although you said this was the only offer on the table, other companies had shown interest, but it was more a case of a sort of, well, how much is it? And they kind of not put anything official down. There was only one envelope on the table, wasn't there? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's something that came out at this meeting. There were sort of expressions of interest, but no firm offers. That's not unusual in this kind of uh, situation. I think that's really a result of the fact that Nokia was more valuable 
to Microsoft than anyone else. If you think about it, it makes sense. You know, they were producing Windows Phone. Anyone else might have had to change that strategy and you know, spend a lot of money, lost some value. So, you know, this has now gone through, you know, the 99.7% approval. The next stage is regulatory approvals. That isn't expected to be any stumbling block at all. And it's likely to be completed in the first quarter of next year. Uh, I suspect we'll hear about it sometime before MWC. And then we might uh, start hearing at MWC about what the branding is going to be on new devices although I wouldn't be surprised if we see Nokia retained for that kind of conference, all the planning will be done. And as we've said in previous podcasts, it's going to take a while for any Microsoft influence to, to be felt simply because these things do take time to kind of settle down and go through quite apart from the product development process being a couple of years long. And of course, you've got a new CEO coming into Microsoft as well. And indications right now are that it might be a temporary CEO just for two years. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of speculation going on at the moment. I think if anyone had any firm answers, you'd probably hear reporting on it. But yes, that's one of the contentions to kind of settle things down. That maybe makes sense. Um, Stephen Elock, CEO of Nokia, or rather the ex-CEO now, has been talked about as a potential new leader for Microsoft, but also the CEO of Ford um, coming in and some insiders at Microsoft. Honestly, I think it's between a couple of insiders um, at Microsoft, you know, maybe um, Bates, who's the head of the kind of Skype division, or rather came from Skype and is now head of other things at Microsoft. Uh, Stephen Elop, to me at least, seems like an outside chance at this point in time. I suspect he'd be kept on in the devices role. And I think I mentioned before in a previous podcast, it would make sense for him to spend a couple of years there and then maybe step up to the CEO role, which I guess would fit in with this rumours about temporary CEO for a couple of years. So let's move on to that product line then, because as we say, Nokia have got quite a lot in the pipeline, and these will now become Lumia handsets uh, from Microsoft. Nokia name, and all the licensing and stuff, is one of those things we will probably hear about going into 2014. But the 1520, arguably Nokia's last smartphone. Uh, Rafe, you've had a little bit of time with it. Um, It's big, it's three columns, it has the width. Can you feel the quality? You can definitely feel the quality. And this is like a lot of other Nokia smartphones, really, really good hardware. And I would say in its product segment, arguably the best on the market, you've got a really fantastic screen, uh, a fantastic camera. Uh, I mean, it's probably a 1020 aside, the best camera phone you can buy at the moment. And, you know, given the 1020 has kind of some form factor compromises in there, you know, you might even say it is the best all round uh, camera phone device. You know, the big screen actually is really nice for kind of framing your shots and composing things. It's got the kind of oversampling and that kind of original interpretation of pure view in it. Um, but obviously it's not quite the same megapixels. It's 20 megapixels versus 41 on the uh, 1020. But for me, actually, it's the screen is the standout of the hardware. I mean, partly that's about the resolution. It's 1080p first for a Windows phone device, but it's really a combination of all the technologies Nokia's developed over time, you know, clear black and sunlight readability enhancements together with a high quality LCD panel really, really makes this stand out. Every time I think I've seen, you know, as good as screens can get, something comes along and it's even better. But, on a device where it's all about the big screen, it's really good to see that being kind of the standout feature of the hardware. I mean, it then becomes about the software and whether you want Windows Phone, and is Windows Phone do- doing enough on the, the tablet side? But before we get onto that, maybe I should ask you and Steve, you know, would you be happy carrying around a six-inch device? And it'd be interesting to hear what you say, having not really had one, uh, and I'll, I'll come back afterwards. So maybe, Steve, would you carry a big device around like this? I have to say, uh, judging from your photos and what everyone has said, 
this looks enormous. I've played around with things like the Sony Xperia Z Ultra, and this looks almost as big. This, I, I cannot see myself carrying this around day to day. I, I almost spluttered into my cornflakes when you said just now that uh, you're going to dismiss the 1020 as the best camera phone because of its form factor, but the 1520, therefore, could take on that mantle. The 1520 is five <laughs> billion times less manageable in the hand than the 1020, which is at least a normal phone size. So the answer is no, and the 1020 still wins. Sorry. How about I, you, Ewan? Oh, first of all, I want to know how Steve can quantify five billion. <laughs> Seven, maybe, yes. Um, right. I, I'm going to be honest here. Um, I can see certain advantages to having a larger screens device. And the Xperia Z Ultra, I've had a fair bit of experience with. Also something like the Nokia 625 as well. Look, the, the, these big screen devices are nice. And as I get older, I actually appreciate the screen size. But people who've been hanging around the site will know that I much prefer the smaller, more powerful handsets um, that are available on other uh, operating systems. Having spent some time over the last week, the iPhone 5S with a four-inch screen with a, with, a, with a form factor that's almost identical to the to the Lumia 620, um, slightly thinner but slightly taller. Uh, but with all of that power and all the flexibility of the applications, I have to say that it's just reminding me how much I prefer my smartphones to be phones uh, and my 7-inch tablets to be 7-inch tablets. These tweener devices, I... I have trouble um, finding out, thinking what a use case would be for me. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if the these large devices with Windows phones had integration with the Pebble smartwatches, uh, maybe I could see myself being happy to carry them, so I'd have quick access to all the information without pulling out a, a slab of plastic. But f for me, these larger screen devices. Are, have been built because there's a market segment that hasn't been filled and one company has a 6-inch device, so therefore everybody must have a 6-inch device uh, and bigger is better and we're in a spec war again, so we must have a bigger screen and a bigger screen. Um, you know, you would find it hard from a PR point of view as a company to justify walking out and say, well, here's our latest, greatest phone, it's a 3.8-inch screen. Uh, <laughs> but we all know the Nokia 5, Lumia 520 is one of the biggest selling Windows Windows devices, let alone Windows Phone 8 devices, uh, for 2013. Uh, the market uh, volume is small, the techs want power, uh, and the manufacturers cause conflated power with being very big. Um, and that's such an American viewpoint, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was pretty sceptical about the so-called phablet devices or large screen smartphones. I mean, there are some recent numbers from IDC kind of came out the saying is actually a lot of these smartphones now being sold a big screen. I think it was 27% of uh, smartphones sold in the last quarter were, had screens with five inches or bigger, admittedly smaller for uh, six inches bigger. I think that was just a couple of percent. But those numbers are growing. So part of me says you're right, you and that it was kind of a, a segment that created itself bigger is better. But there seems to be genuine demand for that. And it's kind of two categories. It, it tends to be a, an old audience that wants the screen bigger so they can see it more easily and the same information on it it's also very popular and asia south korea gets talked a, a lot about that and it actually skewed to the uh, female demographic there perhaps you can carry it in a bag i mean portability is the issue here can you carry it comfortably i was pleasantly surprised i found it was possible to carry it with me but it's definitely a bit more of a compromise in carrying a small device and frankly it is more comfortable carrying a a, a smaller device and so uh, it, it does go both ways. 
I think this is an entirely personal decision and you kind of hit the nail on the head you when you talked about you had a, a seven inch tablet you're happy with it's going to depend on what kind of combination of device you have if you don't have a tablet and don't want to buy a tablet a six inch smartphone makes a lot of sense because you get some of the benefits of the tablet if you've got a tablet device I think it makes more sense to have a, a smaller smartphone so it, it, it's a toss-up so as I say you know, the question about this for a Windows phone user is not, is it a good piece of hardware? It is. It's really nice. Nokia have done a, a great job. I'd go so far as to say it's their best Windows phone device. They've got a little bit thinner. It doesn't have the extra weight that some of the other uh, high-end devices have, notably the 920. Whether you regard that as a good or bad thing is beside the point. The you know, build quality is great. The camera is great. The screen is great. So it's an overall very good package. So it's not about whether you want the hardware. You do if that's the kind of device you want and actually think it's the best of the large screen smartphones or at least you can make an argument for that it's then about do you really want this and then as i say the software and you mentioned there you and that uh, nokia's put a extra row of live tiles or microsoft has in windows phone there are some other customizations you know, for example you get an extra line of that uh, kind of preview of the body text in the email app various others have the text scaled down slightly most of the time it's relatively subtle you do notice it in the office app you can kind of zoom out further and see more information so there's you know there is some of the benefit more screen you can see more but mostly it is about i would say having it kind of everything displayed at just a bigger physical size and i can see why people want that as i say personally i wasn't interested didn't think i would be but i would definitely consider carrying this device around now in, in balance it probably comes back to that i still rather have the smaller screen but it was a bit of a pain point having to having spent a few days using the 1520 switching back to the 925 i really noticed the screen size being smaller and actually the screen quality not being quite as good in terms of demand can i just take issue with some of those stats you just quoted <laughs> oh because great because i was about to jump in there as well steve but you, no, no, let me go first. <laughs> you go first i'll pick up the pieces short stop no, the, the stat quoted was um, screens of five inch or greater. Now, the Samsung Galaxy S4 has a five inch screen and it is sold in the tens of 40, 50 million. Um, and yet the Samsung Galaxy S4 is a very large screen to bezel ratio, which means it's no larger than the 925, the 920, the 8, 1020 and so forth. In other words, the Galaxy S4 is a completely normal size, a quite normal in quotes sized phone. And they're lumping that in with all the huge fabulous, which is misleading. If they given us a percentage for screens of 5.1 inches and greater, it would be much, much, much smaller. I think the demand is over-egged. It's actually the figure for 5.1 inches and above is 7%, and that's still a very dramatic increase from the same time the previous year where it was just a single percentage figure. I mean, I agree with you. I think there is an issue to be said. Should Nokia have done a 5.5-inch large-screen smartphone rather than 6 inches? Um, but nonetheless i do actually think this trend for large screen smartphones or phablets and i actually think there's an interesting definition that nokia always referred to the 1520 as a large screen smartphone whereas samsung tends to talk about phablets and that's because samsung in some ways with the galaxy note 3 is more of a cross between a, a phone and a tablet and they've added in the extra note taking thing and i think that's an area that microsoft and nokia haven't done there isn't sort of this extra stylus input or anything else it's just slight tweaks to windows phone and so for those that are looking at the the kind of this large screen device or as a phablet and wanting to take notes with it you know this isn't really an entry into that space it really is about being a large screen smartphone right okay i can pick up one on steve missed up rafe let's have a little gedanken okay okay um i give you um let's see let's see see 10 bags of sweets okay yeah? 
Uh, five of them are 50 grams. Five of them are 75 grams. Right. Okay. And you choose one at random. Okay. So, okay. So we, fair enough. Now, and, and, and we get lots of people to do that. We get thousands of people to do that on the same sweets. We now, two years forward, uh, give you, uh, again, 10 bags of sweets. But only one of them is 50 grams and nine of them are 75 grams. People can now choose the bag of sweets that they want. Okay. We cannot say that there's a 40% increase in demand for 75 gram bags of sweets because we don't know the skew in the market. The companies and the manufacturers have made this space because they want to sell stuff. They've taken away all the stuff at the bottom end and then said, nobody wants to buy the stuff at the bottom end. You must want the stuff at the top end. It's because they're not making the stuff at the bottom end for us to buy. Well, I could, so, I'm I, sorry, I'm going to throw that argument out. We, you, it's not a level playing field Friday to measure sales. I, I could agree with that if we were talking about four and a half inch versus 3.7 inch screens, but I, I still think there's a full range of you know it's devices like at four and a half a inch. Well, it's an interesting one, and you know, I'm not unsympathetic towards that view. I mean, it's like with the QWERTY devices, for example. But I, I do think, you know, looking at, I've seen a lot of people using large screen smartphones and deliberately choosing to do that. I mean, in that sense, the 1520 is a device that it makes sense for Nokia to launch because it's filling a gap in their Lumia portfolio. They have everything else in terms of the price ranges and the different sizes of devices. Absolutely, I'd like them to do a high end. A device that had a four inch or smaller screen where we see that well perhaps uh, sometime next year you know the, the other thing about the you know 1520 is the first of nokia's third generation of windows phone hardware that means it's got a snapdragon 800 processor in it two gigs of ram and it does perform faster than any of the other devices but it doesn't take a genius to work out there's going to be more of those next year so you know something like the lumia 930 will have i would have thought a similar hardware specification in you know, the same resolution screen same processor probably running windows phone 8.1 as well so there's a certain element of me that likes the 1520 because it's on the cutting edge of windows phone hardware and i have to sort of step back and say i shouldn't like it just for that reason i should be liking it because it has a six inch screen and that's where uh, you know a bit more open to debate but I think there are people out here, out there that will buy it and will really enjoy it. Excellent. Would you buy it? I'm really tempted, honestly. It, it, it's, I need to use it for a bit longer before I can give a definitive answer to that. If you asked me, you know, a week ago, 10 days ago, I'd have said, no, yeah. definitely not. Now I've moved to the, mm, yes, maybe. Do you think that's a problem when you get these devices in the shop, and Windows Phone especially? We have time to sit and have a go with all the hardware, with Android, with iOS, uh, with BlackBerry, <laughs> uh, with Windows Phone. You know, you, Steve, and myself, we get a chance to test all these and decide the one that we want to buy. The consumer doesn't really have that. They've got three or four minutes of engagement in a shop with the device, and then they have to make the call. That's right. And, you know, it's led by advertising and salespeople. But yes, it is difficult. I, mean, I don't know about you, Steve. I mean, I would say you probably need to live with a device for a fortnight before you can really sort of understand how it fits into your life and whether it's something that's for you, which, I mean, can make it difficult to review devices, even more of a nightmare if you're a consumer. You know, have I picked up the right device? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of device regret out there. I mean, Steve, how long would you evaluate a device? I mean, you can come to a conclusion in the first day or so, but to really get your head around it? Well, although I, I would actually say I, I get the measure of a device in terms of whether it was for me in 24 to 48 hours, that's unusual because I'll be using it all day, every, all day and probably all <laughs> night as well because that's what I do for a living. And um, The average Joe Bloggs is going to get a new device and will only be using it for an hour or two a day, perhaps playing in the evening and in their lunch hour, and it will take them much longer to establish whether it's right for them or not. Um, but yes, I, I think 
I think probably a week or two is probably about right for most people. Yeah, sounds about right as well. You, you, I mean, there, there's a sort of, you can get 80% of the do I want this or not relatively quickly. Um, but, you know, there, there are always quirks and you have to start building up the sort of muscle memory to where the volume and the power buttons are, how to do the key lock, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and to make sure you've got all the right applications installed. Um, that, that's why, you know, things like restoring backups from the cloud when you switch the device is very important. It's one of the areas where yeah. Windows Phone falls down. You know, if you pick up an iPhone, for example, you just go bang and it goes, oh, you had an iPhone before. Shall I put all the stuff back on? And your icon's in the same place and all the same settings. Yes, please. Do. Done. Um, not so easy on some, um, not so easy on Windows Phone. And, to, to be fair, not so easy on Android either, although it is getting slightly better with 4.3. Uh, right, so we will have more in the 1520 uh, as we go forward uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks into the festive season. Of course, uh, the 1320 is going to be lurking around uh, Q1, we're expecting for that one, Rafe? Yeah, that's right. It will maybe come out in some markets before then, but in terms of the Western European markets, which are kind of the ones that have the best information on, yeah, it won't be out until January or February time. So let's move on from the hardware, which at least we do have some promising things to look forward to. And let's pick up some of the other threads from Nokia World that are now coming up for the public in terms of software. Instagram will um, uh, we'll build up to uh, on that one. Steve, get ready. I'll get ready. Rafe, get the shields <laughs> up. Uh, but while you're doing the shields, uh, putting up Rafe, Vine was the other uh, big social media application uh, that was announced at Nokia World now available to the public uh the the six second video twitter clone thing um flash in the pan uh, is it any good is it or is it just a cutesy thing that people that like robert scoble went ooh shiny it's different i'm honestly skeptical about it myself i've used it a little bit but uh, you know it's great seeing some of the creations that people come up with and what you get in the six second video is People do have to be quite creative. You know, you get the stop motion videos, you get kind of little insights and people spend a lot of time putting them together. In that sense, it's quite impressive. Do I have a particular interest in creating them myself? I've experimented with it. But as you say, this is kind of a a product that's out of Twitter, essentially. Uh, It's more of this kind of social media sharing of, you know, some creative aspect. And I do like that. And it's got a lot of kind of, motion from other platforms it's been downloaded millions of times it's kind of one of those apps that people talk about as yeah i want to have that if i'm going to adopt this smartphone platform and so it's important for windows phone to have it and the actual app itself has been nicely implemented i mean it's interesting there have been some third party uh, apps on windows phone for vine so it's not kind of like the first time you'll get get vine by any means but it's important to have the official app and i think this is more about windows phone kind of just ticking off another one of those boxes for official apps that people like to have because i suspect i'm not in the target market but i know there are a lot of people out there who are really pleased to see it and you can see that in the kind of number of ratings in the windows phone store and the way it's sort of been provoking quite a lot of chatter back and forth on social media and i'm certainly seeing people sharing it in my twitter stream right then instagram, instagram. i i suspect um First up, let's say, yes, it's great. Windows Phone now has Instagram. It's been a talking about for ages. I know we've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast, but everyone's getting ever so excited about it. Should they be that excited? Let's let's not even get to the point of excitement yet. Uh, let's talk about the fact that this has been so long awaited, so expected. Everybody who's any knowledge at all about smartphones knows that Instagram was going to anoint Windows Phone as being a valid 
platform. The fact that it's taken 16 months since the Android version came out, let's not forget that the Android version took 16 months to come out after the, the iOS version, so we have an idea of how fast the developers can work on this sort of stuff. But this was this this was a launch that was a hot mess. Um, the communication was completely wrong. There was widespread confusion. There was almost zero feed, official feedback coming from the PR companies and the questions. There was poor marketing done. Instagram, amazingly, that has, has damaged Microsoft's application and mobile platform more by arriving than not arriving. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, how could you, Motley dude, got this right. How can you screw up the key application laws on your entire ecosystem? Don't stop me. I'm about to go on a roll. Let's start off with the top. Right again, they send out this application. The developers, look, every single social media, photo media sharing application has the same workflow mode. You launch the application on the main screen. There's a button to capture the media. You capture the media. You send it up. When you press that capture button, if you want to go to a saved image, you can do for some reason, Instagram and Windows Phone 8 flips that workflow around. You go, you launch the application, you go to the main screen, you press the take media button, and you get presented with your gallery. You don't get presented with the camera, right? And everyone suddenly goes, wait a minute, you can't take pictures with this. Nobody noticed the tiny little charm icon at the bottom. Uh, maybe they should have. And in the old days, when you had the, the diamond menu in the Sony Series 3, you would take time to look at the application. But no, the key function of the application to take pictures is hitting two menu layers down in the wrong place, completely destroying the workflow expectations that you've had on every other single platform as well. You do not change methodology unless you have a damn good reason to do so. And Instagram and Windows 3 did not have a damn good reason to change the workflow. Yes, you would breathe. No, I don't need. To, I don't need to breathe on this one. Trust me, I've been practicing. Uh, where was I? Yes, the workflow change. Because of that, the initial reports that came out and the influential ones on some of the main website went Instagram or Windows Phone does not take pictures. Now, of course, this is a point where all the other websites go. Hold on, we don't need to be first in the Google rankings. We will take time to actually open the application and see what happens. Oh, look, it's the menu option hiding at the bottom. Too late. The damage was done. All the application developers out there are going, if Instagram can't give a flying two hoots about taking care of the application on Windows Phone 8, why should I bother? And that's where the damage is done. Not just because there's, there's this pure image in Instagram saying, oh, well, can't you take pictures? Oh, you're launching the external camera application instead of doing an embedded camera application. It's simply a case of you just damaged this, the idea that this was a good platform that was functional. Instagram has said, oh, we can't do it. And everybody else is going to look at that badly. Then you go and ask the PR companies to confirm that stuff. Then you look at the, the, the official blog posts that are coming out. Nokia's conversation box didn't mention the fact that you could take pictures. It didn't react to it. It's 16 hours later. You still don't have an update. The application's labeled beta. Instagram's blog doesn't mention the fact that it's in beta once. It puts beta in capitals, so it screams out like a sore thumb when you're looking down your application list. None of those channels reacted to the social media hot mess that was coming up. And when I did approach the official PR company for comment, they waited six hours and then said, we know we're the official PR company, but you have to ask Instagram officially themselves, even though Instagram have hired us to do the PR, uh, which I have, and it's 16 says It's like 19 hours later, and they still have not replied. Somebody somewhere is not on the ball game on this. The key application was, okay, yes, right, you can put a, a Michael Straw can put a blog post line up on uh, the Windows Phone official blog saying, oh, no, it can't take big Okay, too late. Damage is done. Perception is, is done. You get one chance to hit the ball out of the park, and they tried to do, and they got a sacrifice fly ball, and they lost the World Series. How 
how they dropped the ball in this one, why nobody thought of defence, why nobody thought to run it past a couple of people in the row saying, look, can you break this launch plan for us? Because, quite frankly, as you notice, I haven't even breathed, and I've broken it 17 times, and now Steve has got to have a go as well. Listen to this. <laughs> I, the point I wanted to make is that heaping rant upon rant is that there's no point in Instagram anyway for the, most of the people listening to this podcast because let's face it people listening to the podcast they got leave me in 920s 925s 1020s 1520s coming up they like taking really good photos 8 megapixel 5 megapixel oversampled full resolution 20 megapixel 34 megapixel um, and with really good quality and what do we get on Instagram everything is shoehorned into 600 pixels square which is right, and, and with filters to make it look like it was taken in 1960. So do we really want to go back 30 years every time we take a photograph? Do we really want to shoot on our beautiful uh, 34 megapixel or 8 megapixel or whatever masterpiece with glorious colours, glorious saturation into a tiny, weeny, minute 600 pixel square blob of rubbish? I'd love to go back to 1983, see if I remember what life was like in 1983 and I know which shares to buy. Um, but I'm going to read out one tweet. Okay, it's simple, to, and I think it sums it up quite nicely. No geotagging, no image rotation, no video upload, no in-app image capture. Seriously, Instagram, just contact me. That was tweeted by Rudy Hewn, the guy who did a third-party client called Sixtag. You put Sixtag next to Instagram for Windows Phone 8 and tell him, ask me which is the beta and which is the official code, and I'll tell you, Rudy's would win every single time. Right, count. <laughs> right, well... But- I'm quite impressed that all through that ranting, no one seemed to mention video because you can't actually upload video. Oh, right. You want me to start no, 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 no. Well, Keep think... your problem here. You look at the, the, app, the, the listing on the Windows Phone App Store. It says you get breathtaking video stabilization and video capture. They can't even get the feature list right on their application. It's not there, but it's listed on the App Store. Who was asleep at the wheel? Okay, and then I was also going to mention the icon, which isn't the kind of normal Instagram icon. It's a kind of a Windows Phone version, and I actually think that's a, a kind of a mistake because it's you, know, you can't recognise the brand. This doesn't even pick up the theme colour for the background. Oh uh, yes, uh, <laughs> so uh, you're obviously feeling. You know, people think I talk a lot on this podcast, but I at least take the occasional breath. Well, very hey, occasional. Hey, I, I save it up all, and not being able to breathe has its uses sometimes. Right, I'll have. <laughs> Oh, back to 1983 with that one. So my answer to all of this is when you type Instagram into the Windows Phone Store, there is now a solution and people can download it. And it feels to me like it's that important checkbox. And I'm sure some people are going to complain about whichever implementation or however it's done. It is beta. It's going to get updated. But now there is an official Instagram client for Windows Phone. So it kind of answers that complaint that a lot of people have had. And we've said before we've heard people going i'm not switching because i can't have instagram on windows phone and for all the people who will get mad about the way it was launched about you know what's there and what's not that will be forgotten in a few months and instagram will still be on that checklist and so i think for everyone that does use instagram and wants to use it on windows phone it's a good day but yes i suspect someone's having a a, a discussion of uncomfortableness um, with regard to exactly how the launch went off. But nonetheless, Instagram is now on Windows Phone. And every single developer who's not currently working on Windows Phone is now looking at Windows Phone and looking at the mess that Instagram could make of it, that's seeing missing functionality, and we're told it's taking 16 months, and we're rushing this out, and it will be in another couple of months' time to release a beta. They're going to look at the bad feedback, and they're going to think, is 3% market share worth me chasing? 
and they're all going to say, no, they're going to stay on Android, they're going to stay on iOS, and we're going to have less applications in the second and third tiers because of it. Well, I think that's uh, if that's the way their strategy department is thinking, they probably don't deserve to survive because uh, you have to look at where the market's going, where it might go. And I think Windows Phone has now firmly established itself as the third platform as all the Q3 numbers have sort of started to indicate. We've had the latest numbers out from Cantor, which now says that Windows Phone is selling 10% of smartphones in the EU5 countries. And where the EU5 goes, the rest of the world does tend to follow. Sometimes it's a lag time of a year, sometimes it's a lag time of three years. But those are amongst the most competitive markets in the world. And so I'm pretty confident that Windows Phone will continue to grow into 2014. So I think any company not thinking about it at the moment will be missing out on a, a bit of the smartphone market. I would like to apologise for my previous rant five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, all the, the point I was making is that a lot of power, power users, power users of the Nokia Lumis probably aren't that interested in Instagram. But I, think I would true. like to acknowledge Rafe's point, and, which is absolutely valid, that it is a checkbox. And for all those people who are interested in Instagram, there are an awful lot of them, apparently, who don't know their, their pixels from their megapixels, and they will absolutely love it. And, and fine, I'm sure the application UI will get there. <laughs> I can even see where Instagram was going in terms of presenting photos you've already captured using the, the phone's camera app first, and then worrying about, well, maybe you want to take a, a photo within the app, which is kind of a secondary function for me too. So I can even see where they were going with this. So it, it's not all negative from my end, but me personally, I'm going to run a mile before I ever touch it. And, and let's be fair, they probably got 15 times the coverage that they would have normally got just from launching Instagram. So if nothing else, people at least know Instagram's out there. <laughs> it's a very small silver lining, uh, shown through um, a 1960s Polaroid filter, but it is there. Uh, right, I suppose we should do something nice, calm and sensible now and ask Grave to talk about an update to Hero Drive. Yeah, I just thought this was worth mentioning because this is one of Nokia's kind of location apps. Right, okay, I've got a big rant on this one, Rafe. you got it now. <laughs> and i thought it was interesting because this is kind of the biggest update we've had to hear drive in quite a while but it's also there's a element of i'm going to complain about something because the big feature really is traffic information is now being used more completely i think is the best way to describe it in here drive you will actually see live traffic information in all map views and also so that's you know when you're kind of looking at the map and when you're in navigation mode and like in here maps it's color coded you know red for severe yellow for kind of a bit of congestion and green for everything's okay and clear that traffic information is also being used in arrival time estimates and you'll be told that you're going to be delayed 15 minutes by traffic so that's a nice touch but there's still really no dynamic rerouting and you know there isn't much going on in response to the traffic that's only a feature that you get in the my commute section which is those predefined regular journeys so there's still work to do there and it's taking a long time for here drive to get to this point compared to the symbian version that had this functionality you know a couple of years ago and so i i can't help but feel the ball was dropped a little bit in that transfer from symbian to windows phone um, there are some other nice bits and pieces in there another one of these things that you think why is it taking so long to get here is that when you're on the kind of preparing to drive screen, you'll actually get an option to see a list, a text list of directions. But uh, I know I use that when I'm using kind of sat now for driving to kind of give a quick overview of where the route's going and I check that it's going the right way as far as I'm concerned. Um, the last feature I think is a bit more interesting, and this is Find My Car. We've seen a lot of apps that do this, but this kind of automates the process in that if you've got here drive on and you've been navigating somewhere when you stop at a place it will actually record that as where you've left your car and you can then go back into the application later and say where's my car 
and it will give you the option for walking directions to get back to the car or the live site. That's the augmented reality view through the camera and you can sort of wave your phone around and have your car pinpoint for you. It's a nice extra. I mean, I would hope most people uh, have an idea where they leave their car most of the time. But, you know, sometimes when you got turned around in an urban environment, you're not quite sure which direction to head. I can see this being useful, but it was more the experience, the way this was implemented, the fact that it's automatic. If you've been using here, drive will automatically save that location. So no user action required. And that's good because I think all of these experiences which require you to take manual action before you can then benefit from it, it there's a question of usability there. So that was actually my highlight in this particular update. Yeah, I mean, this is the interesting one because you know, this is what's left of Nokia. You've got the, the, the Skunks Works Labs, you've got Nokia Siemens Networks, and you have here, which is basically um, where all the shareholders uh, see the value going forward uh, on that one. Now, Strafe, looking forward, if we look to late, late 2014, 2015, uh, Nokia will not have that demand to stay with Windows. Phone. Can you see here arriving on Android or iOS beyond just the sort of web browser version that they have now? I think that's a definite possibility. I actually had an opportunity to talk to uh, the here guys recently. Uh, one thing that's interesting to note, the actual Windows Phone apps, they're going with Nokia to Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft is effectively licensing them. But as I understand it, the development and those teams will actually head over to Microsoft and uh, here will be left with, if you like, the, the lower layers. It's all the map information, but there are also lots of APIs and other bits and pieces that kind of sit just beneath the application. So you can almost think about the application as a, a skin on top of all kinds of services and traffic is one of them you know obviously routing is another one so you know yes i absolutely think that here will expand that to other platforms whether they do that themselves or whether they get third parties it's a bit tricky to tell i think at the moment here is very much concentrated on the data collection and then creating kind of a set of apis that sit above that that enable you to build all of the applications but i wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of doing that third layer which is if you like delivering consumer apps they're kind of doing this with their here auto product and i wouldn't be surprised to see them do something on Android or Apple, I actually think the smart money would maybe be on Apple choosing to license the here data and then it you know powering Apple Maps, particularly in countries outside the US where Apple's data ah. is weaker. The other interesting thing that's going to happen with here in the next year or so, they've been doing a lot of data collection for what people might sort of think of as street side imagery, but actually a lot more complex than that because they're using uh, cars that have LiDAR and big cameras on them to collect point cloud data which they can then overlay uh, photos on and effectively create a 3d model of the world i mean they call it creating a digital model of the world and that kind of technology is the next generation of street side or um you know street view that you get in google maps and in kind of bing maps at the moment that's going to be a significant advance to create experience. And it won't necessarily just be a kind of eye candy feature. You can layer it so you could just show road signs, for example, in a sort of 3D display or maybe buildings, and you might do something different in walk mode. So there's a lot of innovation still to come there. So I think that's where people will probably notice here doing stuff next year. That will probably come in the second half of next year. Uh, the big update to come actually, it's really applying to here maps rather than here drive is going to be satellite 
uh, imagery and that's going to get updated and be significantly higher quality and that should be in the next update which might even arrive before the end of the year but um, as I say the really interesting thing for me at least is this um, 3D imagery that's going to arrive and enable a lot of new experiences and here is actually collecting that data at a higher quality than anything Google does with their Street View imagery and it's going to enable new experiences and so that might prompt sort of here to get onto other platforms um, there's no definite plans they haven't announced anything yet um, i think we'll see it first on on windows phone because microsoft is going to have a very strong relationship with here they're at part of the terms is they're kind of a premier partner and there's all sorts of licensing deals um, but watch this space because actually there's a lot more to come from here and i think you're right the smart money is on that to sort of be growth for you know nokia revenue NSM, which is the network side of Nokia, which is kind of one of the three divisions that's going to be left, but generates loads more money. And it's sort of, I think it's getting on for 10 to 15 billion euros. I'd have to look it up. Whereas here is responsible for a much smaller amount. But um, NSN isn't so much of a growth business, whereas here has got very definite potential for growth, particularly if you start looking at the five to 10 year timeline. Indeed, yes. And of course, mapping is one of those fronts where there is still a lot of gains to be made, uh, both in terms of collection and income, uh, but also in terms of user experience as well. One of those companies uh, that is doing that is Waze, now run by Google. Uh, and Steve's been taking a look at the latest version that's arrived on Windows Phone. I see what you did there. That was a very slink. And I sounded really Radio 4 there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, I- I've been a bit naughty with the, my headlines this week, uh, Rafe. Um, I've been kind of being provoking, uh, being provocative and hinting that Google might be turning to Windows Phone again and launching a whole raft of their standard products across the platform. It may not turn out like that, but I'm, I'm putting on my optimist hat here. Basically, we've had the Google Search update, which is an update to an existing uh, Windows Phone 7 search function that they've they kind of ported to Windows Phone 8, and they've now done a really good job on you can sign into the Google ecosystem uh, and you can also, for example, save searches across different platforms uh, and you can do voice searching. And that's probably money-driven. Obviously, you get ads in the search results and Google make the money back because they want to see their search on as many platforms as possible. Waze is an interesting one because Waze, as a separate company, they announced a Windows Phone version before Google finally took them over. Um, so I, we're guessing, you now. did Google just say, okay, carry on, you can carry on developing and you release it when it's ready? Or... Were Google actually proactively saying, yes, we'd like you to. We'd like you to now push out the version for Windows Phone because we're expanding in that direction. We're now going to do you know, Windows Phone versions of Gmail and Google Maps, etc., etc. So I'm hoping the latter is what's happening. It may not turn out that <laughs> way. But if it does happen that way, I should be viewed as a prophet and, and, and a, someone who's a real visionary. I'm um, Just to say that Waze is really impressive on, on Windows Phone. They've done an excellent job. It's obviously been in beta testing for months, uh, and, it, and it shows every last... Um, tap and click and um, menu is, is sorted out gives a wonderful real-time view of the traffic around you and, and reports and you can for example you're, you're driving along and you see a police speed trap now obviously you haven't got time to tap you know report speed trap and then type in a textual description of where it was and the circumstances and the app knows that so all you have to do is tap uh, report speed trap and there's a, a form comes up but with a timer and if you're actually driving you think well I'll, I'll ignore the form and after 10 seconds the report gets filed anyway with a blank description which is wonderful so you can either if you're stuck in a in a stationary traffic you can have time to sit there and say oh yes it's due to a broken down car and coned off lanes because you're stationary it's safe and if you're driving you just ignore it and the timer takes care of the postings so it's really really well done 
Um, thoroughly recommended both the Google search and Waze, and they're both free, of course, in the Windows Phone Store. But um, who knows? Maybe it's the, the first side of more Google goodness on the platform. Let's hope so. <laughs> Rafe, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this was probably a case of Waze, at least. It was already in development, and you know, there wasn't sort of time to hold it up, or you know, Google just said, uh, we'll let this one go. I mean, I agree. It's been very well implemented. Uh, I'm not completely convinced by crowd uh, generation of data particularly the way google is starting to put it into the google maps database you know has an impact then on the quality of their maps but uh, from a consumer experience point of view you know i think Waze works really well and so i was kind of glad to see it arrive on windows phone um i was going to kind of take issue with steve in the back channel and say you know should we really be talking about it as just being you know all about whether google's going to support windows phone um shouldn't we actually be highlighting that there's these great new apps because i think both of them are very good but then i thought no actually there's a there is a story to this because their narrative has been about google not supporting windows so i'd be a little more skeptical than steve is maybe but at the same time it is getting closer and closer to the point where it's you know starts to look like google's ignoring windows phone for reasons other than you know if you like what what's good business um actually it is still good business because it's about strategy and they don't want to support a rival platform uh, i think the google search application was an obvious one for them to update because they want to encourage people to use that and that's their real real money spinner and by adding in the sign-in feature they can actually sort of keep better track of what you're searching for and i think the voice search has been you know well implemented as well so We'll have to wait and see, I guess, Steve. I, I'm not going to hold my breath for a Google Plus or a YouTube application, despite your optimism, but I hope I'm proved wrong. Chances are, if they do get launched, they'll be missing a key feature, feature. so I would guess that uh, Google's YouTube client for Windows Phone won't play videos. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, because we'll have a checkbox and we'll have a YouTube client on Windows Phone, so all will be fine, yeah? I think it may be missing download of videos. Oh, no, 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 no! That's just a subset feature. This is this is big. Eventually, we'll find it'll be a tiny button right down at the bottom that lets you play a video. But um, we'll miss that when we report it. Um, oh, satire! I have missed you. Uh, right, uh, we shall have one more given the time. Uh, for some reason, somebody um, talked long in this podcast, and it wasn't you for once. So uh, let's uh, finish off with refocus, Steve. I know, I know we said we will get you more involved with more than camera stuff, but refocus sounds fun and it's breaking the laws of physics, isn't it? No, in actual fact, it's kind of a novelty application. I can, the headlines saying, oh, yes, you know, Nokia now can work wonders and break the laws of physics, as you said, and can let you focus on multiple things at the same time in the same shot, but clearly, clearly not possible. These are standard <laughs> lenses, standard sensors. What it's doing is shooting a burst mode of about uh, between two and eight shots at different focal points and think, okay, later on, when you've taken the shot, you can, using the special refocus application, you can choose which of those you, you actually want to use. The downside, of course, is that the quality isn't quite as high. And there is reason, for example, on the Lumia 1020, it takes three seconds to construct your perfect five megapixel oversampled shot is because it's doing all that work under the se- behind the scenes. Now, with the refocus app, it's got to take a slightly lower quality five megapixel scrape of the sensor, which means that, yes, you can do this refocusing trick, but... The, the ultimate photo you get at the end of the day won't be as high quality as if you'd use the, the standard camera app in the standard way. And it's also worth noting that for most scenes, you only actually get two or three focal points. It's very unusual in all my tests to get more than three. 
uh, because the application looks at the scene and and tests the different contrast and the and the, at the different focal length and then decides how many points to let you choose from. And in many cases, it's only two, which is rather a gimmick, in my point of view. But is it the sort of thing that people who aren't photography freaks going to be useful useful for? I mean, if we handed it to someone who couldn't take very good pictures. <clears throat> Would this make a difference? No, no, because you, when you and when you take bad photos, it's not that you get the focus out by twenty meters, as in not give refocus. It's because you get the focus out by two centimeters. The refocus is for drastic focal difference changes. So, for example, you're photographing a sock puppet that's six inches away against the landscape of a, the Grand Canyon behind, and yeah, it gives you two focal points <laughs> of the puppet and the Grand Canyon, and that's your lot. And you can choose, and it's a novelty, and it's great, and you can put a link to the, the, the Nokia Refocus website, and people can ch- try it out for themselves, and you can share the results. It's great fun. It's a nice gimmick. It's a nice tech demo. I don't believe anyone is actually going to use it in the real world. I see. I would take an issue with that. I think people are going to use it. I mean, I agree with you that it's kind of this you know, fun-to-play-with app, and it's like Cinemagraph uh, to that, that extent. I actually think refocus is probably a bit easier to use than cinemagraph for a lot of things, you know, because cinemagraph, a lot of the time, it feels like you're just taking an animated GIF video. You actually have to work quite hard to get something that loops well and sort of looks really good. Refocus, it's really just a matter of plonking something in front of the camera and then having something in the background and you'll get the effect. Plus, it's sort of been put together very nicely in terms of the way you can share up to social networks easier than it ever was with Cinemagraph when it first came out. And I like the fact that your pictures are stored on your SkyDrive, so you know, you're know you in control of your data, and there's just a little bit on the Nokia server that does the magic in between. There's also this idea that you can switch the photos to all in focus, and so you can uh, ex- turn your very expensive autofocus camera into what's effectively an EDOF. Uh, camera Yay. and have everything in focus at the same time <laughs> I, i'm being slightly skeptical but actually it's a different kind of photo and i think it's the sort of thing that's fun to share up on social networks you know you put it on your facebook stream and people can have a go with it and you know it's good promotion for nokia cameras at the same time so i think it's quite a canny thing thing to do but um, more than that it's actually a kind of a technology demo of um you know computational photography you know doing interesting things with the image you know with some extra computer processing and in technical terms what they're doing to produce refocus is creating a depth field map and although they're using it in quite a gimmicky way at the moment that has a a lot more potential uses in the future and you can imagine that if this sort of thing gets into the mainstream camera you could have this ability to refocus you know a full resolution uh, picture within the camera within the gallery application so i think there's a lot more and you can do other things with depth map field as well i should say so i think this is just kind of the first stage and this is the stuff that's coming out of uh, nokia lund it's this Scalado acquisition so i'm kind of interested in this because i think it's quite fun from a consumer point of view to have this little extra and i think nokia's done a series of these applications and you know they all add that little bit of extra value and kind of burnishes nokia's position as an imaging innovator and being the best camera phone you know and people as we can see with instagram do sort of misuse their images their nice high quality stuff they then put it onto something really nasty and whatever but it's what people use images for and the second part of it is this kind of technical ability which interests me as to to what comes next so i'd be a little more positive on refocus than steve would there we go (laughs) nokia camera phone specialists who no longer make camera phones 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> Right then, uh, that's been your Roll About Windows Phone Insight podcast for the day. Uh, it only remains for me to say thank you uh, to everybody who's taken part. Thank you to Steve Litchfield for ably warming up the ranting field uh, for my Fear the Beard moment with Instagram. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Catch you next week. Indeed. Uh, thank you also to uh, Rafe Blanford, ably uh, sitting there at the catcher's glove and uh, making sense of it all and calming me down and for once uh, not being the person who spoke the longest on the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've not actually measured that, by the way, Rick, but it does feel that, like that way. <laughs> uh, thank you all out there for listening as well. Your comments are, are all appreciated. Uh, back it. You don't need to put anything in front of the rest of the URL domain. You and don't forget, you don't need to say www.allaboutwindowsphone.com. You just did. Uh, <laughs> just did that yes Shh, don't tell him it's a secret uh for the rest of the weekend uh, i'm going to be busy watching the 50th anniversary of doctor who over and over and over again so whatever you're doing uh don't disturb me stay safe